All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northern Winds Fantasy Podcast. We're the Three River Boys. I'm Jake. I'm Steve. And I'm Zach. Uh, Today, we're going to continue our discussion about the Wheel of Time and specifically Matram Cawthon in today's segment entitled The Lord of Luck. Old Badger Boy himself. Yeah, that's a good nickname. So uh, we're picking right up where we left off last time in Tarvalin. Uh, Matt is being healed of his dagger affliction by the Aes Sedai of the White Tower. Yeah, so Matt is getting his connection to Shadar Logoth, to Mordith, severed here. Uh, a circle of Aes Sedai have joined together in the power to heal him of his taint. Yeah, and it's um, an experience that could kill him. Very much so. Uh, we don't know if it's going to work at this point. Um, it's just as likely to kill him as it is to work. Yeah, I think we actually talked about it at the end of the last episode that they used the strongest... Um, Vora's Saw Angriol. Uh, yes. Uh, that's right, yeah. Saw Angriol. So, as Matt's being healed, he has a series of really vivid memories uh, from long ago during the Trolloc Wars. Well, this one actually is after he's healed, I think. Yeah, I think this is when he's... I think he's he's in uh, recovery at this point mm -hmm. from where we picked this quote out. Yeah, he's healing now. He's in bed. Uh, He has to eat a lot. Are Are you sure? I thought this was during the thing. Uh, yeah, because at the end of the last episode, we... Yeah, you're right. Okay, okay. So, here's a little flashback for you guys. The packed lines of spearmen stretched for a mile or more to either side below him, dotted with pennants and banners of towns and cities and minor houses. The river secured his flanks on the left, the bogs and mires on the right. From the hillside, he watched spearmen struggle against the mass of Trollocs trying to break through. Ten times the human numbers. Spears pierced black Trolloc mail, and spiked axes carved bloody gaps in the human ranks. Screams and bellows harried the air. The sun burned hot overhead in a cloudless sky. The shimmers of heat rose above the battle line. Arrows still rained down from the enemy slaying Trolloc and human alike. He had called his archers back, but the dreadlords did not care so long as they broke his line. On the ridge behind him, the heart guard awaited his command. Horses stamping impatiently. Armor on men and horses alike shone silver in the sunlight. Neither men nor animals could stand the heat much longer. They must win here or die. He was known as a gambler, It was time to toss the dice. In a voice that carried over the tumult, he gave the order as he swung up into his saddle. Footmen, prepare to pass the cavalry forward. His banner rode close behind him, the Red Eagle banner flapping over his head as the command was repeated up and down the line. Below, the spearmen suddenly sidestepping with good discipline, narrowing their formations, opening wide gaps between, gaps into which the Trollocs poured, roaring bestial cries like a black oozing tide of death. He drew his sword. 
raised it high. Forward the heart guard! He dug his heels in. His mount leaped down the slope. Behind him, hooves thundered in the charge. Forward! He was first to strike into the trollocs, his sword rising and falling, his bannermen close behind. For the honor of the Red Eagle! The heart guard pounded into the gaps between the spearmen, smashing the tide, hurling it back. The Red Eagle! Half-human faces snarled at him. Oddly curved swords sought him out. But he cut his way even deeper. Win or die. Manetharan! Matt's hand trebled as he raised it to his forehead. Lasvedar Cumbre, he muttered. He was almost sure he knew what it meant. Forward the heart guard. Or maybe the heart guard will advance. But that could not be. Moraine had told him a few words of the old tongue, and those were all he knew of it. The rest might as well be magpie chatter. Crazy, he said roughly. It probably isn't even the old tongue at all, just gibberish. That I Sedai is crazy. It was only a dream. That's a pretty vivid dream to remember. And great performance, Jake. I love that. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. So, yeah, that is very vivid. Uh, specific memories of a battle. Hundreds or uh, I guess we would say this is the Trollic War. Yeah, this is a pretty long time ago. Uh, man, that that's a awesome, yeah. awesome scene they just painted out right there. Well, when Good I've, job, Robert Jordan. Yeah. Chuck when, me up reading that. When <laughs> I first uh, read that, I was like, whoa, I mean, this is... This is going to get intense. It's, yeah, that's it's, the next level shit right there. Yeah, I, I don't think anything really in the series has, like, shown that yet. Like, the very, like, war, like, heavy war. Yeah, that's a definitely... A large-scale battle now. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely one of the coolest things we've gotten up to this point in the series. I guess there's Rand just, like, single-handedly destroying the Trolloc force at Tarwin's Gap, but... Oh, that's true, but that kind of just seems very magical, you know? Like, oh, he showed up and he and he just... Deus, Deus Ex Machina. There's like, not I'm a ton here. of detail of that either. I mean, I guess there's not a ton of detail here. Well, more than... I think there's some detail there. I, I mean, like, they, they talk about the charge and and their feelings and everything like that. But, you know, that's that's for Rand. I mean, we can... So, so what is this? Is this a memory of Matt's past life? What's happening here? I mean, later on, we're going to get into uh, the stone doorways, and he's going to have some memories put into his head. But what's happening right here? Well, these are just pieces, right? He he even says in there he didn't understand the language, uh, right. which which means that there's holes in his knowledge of what's going on. And I mean, that has to be freaking him out a lot. Right? Well, he has holes in his memory too at this point from the dagger. Um, he doesn't remember a lot of what's been happening since he picked up the dagger. So all these terrible, douchey, <laughs> shitty things... Matt has been doing for the last couple of books aren't really Matt and and he doesn't have a lot of recollection of them. So is this his subconsciousness trying to fill in blanks in his memory? Because that's what he ends up asking. Oh man, I can't remember. It's the Elfin or the Eelfin that he asked to fill his memory, but, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but so, you know, most of these crazy memories that we get throughout the series happen after, 
those weird people put those memories into his head, right? So, like, what's happening right now? Well, he does mention that... And he uh, spoke the old tongue before this, too. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Well, that's that's what he mentions, that he was taught some things in the old tongue, but not any of the things that he had heard Well, in the, that. the things he was taught, though, uh, a lot of it he said before he was taught. Remember, as they're riding in to fight the Trollocs outside of um, Berlon? I thought that was Shadow Logoth. Maybe not. I, I think no, right outside right. of Berlon, he yells... Uh, when they're charging it's down on here. their way from Berlon to Shatterlord. Right, so right. Kind of both, right? Yeah, okay. Um, you're right, yeah. So he yells um, something in the old tongue as well. That's skipping my mind right now. You remember what he says? I think it's just a battle cry. Cry like, on Kaldazar. Yeah, yeah, which means uh, for the owner of the Red Eagle. I yeah, believe, yeah. Which we get in this flashback also. So right. This is definitely a, a Manetheran flashback. So I think you could say this is more of the old blood singing. Okay. And and none of the other characters get any of these implanted memories. Or I I don't want to call this implanted. He already had this is before any of the super magical stuff happens. He's Yeah, it's kind of a natural occurrence, I think, for Matt. I almost feel or like a supernatural occurrence. I almost feel like this is something that Robert Jordan wanted to have happen with Matt and and he put in some of these chunks before he had figured out a narrative device for it to make sense. Hmm. I guess that's true because he hasn't really had anything specific other than, you know, nearly dying from the dagger and, and being kind of like tainted from it. But like, no, I, I mean, he's well, he's he's not the Dragon Reborn. No. Like so. Well, I mean, Perrin is just as much Tavirian as Matt is. And, True, and but Matt Perrin never has any of these like ancient memories pop up in his head, does he? No, I don't think so. I think the first thing we get is after after the wolves, um, in a dream. Um, yeah, he just gets the the yellow eyes and the wolf boy vibes. I guess they have all been visited in their dreams, though. And not like this, though. They're visited by um, Bialzamon. Well, I guess I I would say that maybe the explanation is that he's a hero of the horn. That is, I've been uh, kind of trolling the internet while you guys have been discussing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the theories that I'm seeing pretty often is that uh, Matt is a hero of the horn and he's having flashbacks to his prior incarnation he can't be a hero of the horn or he would be reincarnated with the horn when it's blown he's the horn sounder motherfucker how can you be (laughs) well you do also uh flash forwarding i've seen that fan theory as well and i think it's bullshit well let me counteract okay let's hear it uh if you flash forward to the end of the series i don't have this in front of me so i can't do the exact quote but uh, when Oliver blows the horn in the last battle and the hearers of the horn come out, they all address Matt and call him Gambler. Yes. And delight, like he's a figure that they've known before. So it's possible that he's bound to the wheel, but not the horn. That's where I, I agree with that. I, I agree that he has been met by some of these people before because we're even going to get to a scene um, with... Um, Jason Natal, uh, Osmodian, and I, I think Osmodian recognizes him as oh, somebody really? who knew in a hmm. previous life here. 
Yeah, there's kind of a hint. It's never confirmed. Like, none of these things are ever really. Yeah. But. <laughs> I, I see what you're saying, though, Jake. I mean, just because he's a special person and maybe a reincarnate of somebody, but why would those memories start happening? What, is it just because he touched the horn? Or is it because he also touched uh, the knife and was tainted? I think the knife has a lot to do with it and probably just general Taviran things like happening all at once, you know? I mean, I, I think the gaps in his memory from the healing of the dagger, from the dagger, have a lot to do with these. Oh, I guess you old were memories. You, you were kind of saying in. that. You, yes, you're like you're saying there was emptiness, so his kind of his right person is trying to fill those holes, and they're filling them with the wrong thing. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's pretty neat. I like that. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely a unique thing to Matt for him to pull these ancient memories out. And, it, and and again, this is why I think it's weird is because it gets way more common after he goes through the second doorway. Well, right? he has more of them because they, they've filled in the gaps. And, and, and that's where, like, I, I feel like Jordan wanted to do this and then, like, came up with this great literally literary device of using... Uh, a, a terangria, a terangria, terangria, terangria. Yeah. Is, was is that the right thing? though? it's, it's a terangria, yeah, right? Yeah. The doorway. Yeah. Yeah. Anything um, that you can use without being able to channel is a terangria. That's right. That's right. Uh, so after that, he goes through the second doorway, and they implant these memories into his head because he asked to. We're gonna get into this later. Uh, I'm spoiling my own episode here. <laughs> um. It makes a lot more sense, right? Like, we get a lot more of these flashbacks. It explains why he's such a good general. Uh, so I wonder if this is somewhere Jordan wanted to go and, and and got there a little early. I think this is just kind of like a thing, an ability that Matt has just because he's Matt, just like Perrin is a wolf brother, you know? It's just like... It's his own thing. And I'll buy that. It's a thing that was kind of existing on its own and when he went to uh the snakes and foxes he just like got them to kind of even more so yeah accentuate it more or fill in the gaps with random shit right <laughs> right because he says his memories but to them that's all of his his is whatever yeah. <laughs> and uh just another thing i want to note before we move on from the memory subject this is definitely a thing that I believe is also influenced by Dune, the kind of ancestor memory that the yeah oh yeah Bene Gesserit and Paul and Aaliyah all have. You know, I was going to say that actually at the beginning. I'm like, but I don't want to just jump. <laughs> this is this is the a Kwisatz rock. Like, I mean, this guy can absolutely like, pull from his past, and you know, I mean, there's. I was going to say like you know, spoilers. Paul is a Kwisatz rock, but I mean. Yeah, that book's been out for a while. Yeah, I think it's a couple like, of days. And the movie's coming decades. out soon, too, so even more people will know. So, yeah, uh, that's that. So, mm. Swan and Leanne uh, visit Matt as he recovers and explain his link to the horn. Matt doesn't understand. <laughs> so, I don't know if he doesn't understand or so much as he doesn't try to. He's just kind of like, whatever it's over with, don't try to trick me into doing any other acid I bullshit along the way. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he is unaware that once you sound it, that you are the horn sounder, right? At this point, I don't think he knows that, like, because this is where he's like, oh, shit, like, they might try and kill me so they can get their own shill to sound the horn. It's true, yeah. Is this not where they tell him that? Like, This is where they tell him that. Oh, okay, they, great. They, they okay. explain all this. Okay. They're like, they're like, you're the horn sounder. No one else can sound the horn. So if somebody else were to blow the horn at this point, it would just make a pretty noise and nothing would happen. Matt is the only one who can summon uh, the people who are attached to it. Uh, so they explain that to him. Obviously, Matt being Matt, is not very receptive to the responsibility of being the sounder of the horn. Yeah, this is one of his defining character traits for sure, that he never, ever trusts us to die. <laughs> well, and that he tries to shirk responsibility as much as possible. He, he always finds himself in the thick of it, right? But he never wants to be. And, and he's he's... It always turns out to be a very dependable guy, but he doesn't think of himself as one. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, he's always there for his friends, but he really would rather, like... Not be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's at all avoidable. But Tavirin, the wheel, and the weave push him into these places and and make him the badger boy that he is. Yeah. I'm no bloody hero. Yeah, he's no bloody lord either. And <laughs> this is where they also tell him that he's, like pretty hurt like he needs to be sleeping and eating constantly i think actually maybe during the scene he had just finished eating and they're already bringing him more food so it's great uh matt eating for the next book is one of the funnier things uh i think during this conversation while he's trying to tell them that he is irresponsible he finishes off like two whole chickens and you know three <laughs> potatoes and it's just a ridiculous amount of food so when you get healed through the power the healing comes from within you still and you need to regenerate that energy that it takes to be healed um and that wasn't true during the age of legends uh as we find out from some of the forsaken but nowadays uh the eyes that i aren't quite as good as it is they used to so you get these side effects of being extremely hungry extremely sleepy uh and if matt doesn't eat 10 times the normal serving for a person he'll die he'll starve to death his body will just implode on itself so he basically has to stay in tarvalin the armalin seat at this point swan shanche has sent out word to all the guards with a description of matt and he's forbidden to exit the city he can freely roam within tarvalin but he can't leave the city so during his imposed <laughs> imprisonment so to speak he's wandering around the the white tower grounds yeah they just told him to stay in bed and recover and so the first thing he does is get out of bed kind of fuck what an ice and ice yeah <laughs> what do they know so Matt, in this perilous state of almost starving to death, almost dying from being cured from a super baddie evil, <laughs> it decides that he's going to walk around and stumbles upon the warder training grounds. And Zach loves this part, so let's let him get this. <laughs> so our two favorite uh, princes in the world, Galad and Gawain, are... Favorite. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the training yard with their master. 
And Matt decides that he wants a piece of the action, so he makes a friendly wager. Matt's betting something? <laughs> you don't. And uh, their master cautions them that there's this old story of the world's greatest swordsman. Oh, I forgot about this. By a farmer with a quarter staff. Yep. And Gawain and Galad laugh him off. And then this guy's won like 10,000 fights. <laughs> the only fight he ever lost is some redneck. Yeah, that's basically the story. So, oh, so he tells that before the fight. Yeah. Oh, I thought he told him after the fight. Okay. He's like, don't be too overconfident. And they're like, that's exactly what we're going to do. Wow. These guys just don't know what foreshadowing is. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, they come at Matt, and Matt, despite being uh, a scraggly farm boy recovering from a brush with death, just uh, pounds on these princes and puts them in their place a little bit. Whoops them. Yeah, and we get a good perspective. Knocks one of them the fuck out. <laughs> into like his inner voice because he's he's thinking to himself what he needs to be doing. I think he might make quick work of one of them. He says that. He's like, I got to get rid of one of these quick. And then he focuses on yeah. the other one. And he's like, if I don't do this now, I'm going to like pass out from being exhausted. Steve makes a good point. I, I This is our first Matt POV. Uh, if it's not the first, it's the second. We haven't gotten a Matt POV chapter up until this point, basically. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, is it? I, I swear there's one. No. Nah. Look it up. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's crazy. I did not realize that. There is no Matt POVs for a long time, man. Uh, I might be wrong. Look it up. Look it up. We learned about his uh, dad, too. And, I mean, basically that his dad taught him to fight with the quarterstaff. Yeah, him and his dad have been champions of the Belltime Quarterstaff Festival since beyond Memoria. Nice. They're just like, let's go beat beat up everybody. Every once in a while, Rand's dad wins, too. Him and uh, Abel cough and toss it back and forth. But but Matt's dad is definitely a champ. And and I, I guess another thing we should mention here is that matt is making this bet because he wants to earn money to pay for his way out of the city he's trying to gamble with people zach just looked at me like he found something keep going i'll, I'll when you finish making your point he, he he's trying to make money so he can escape he, he's broke right now he just woke up from this healing he has no money so he's he's gambling with people in in inns uh he's he's trying to hustle to make this money. He sees Gowan and Galad and thinks, look at these two rich dumbasses. There's a couple of rubes. Yeah. Gold. He sees gold. He's like, I'm going to get some gold off of these guys. <laughs> and it, it ends up being uh, their warder teacher who actually puts up the money because Gowan and Galad are, don't want none. Hmm. <laughs> their, their honor forbids them from it. But, but their teacher wants to see what's up. <laughs> and they get their asses whooped. Oh, yeah. So what's, what's the deal? Uh, it is actually a true fact that Matram Cawthon's first POV chapter is chapter 19 of The Dragon Reborn, which is right where we're at right now, I think. It's wow. on a stand, but I just dropped the mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Getting schooled. Thank you, Jake. So, yeah. And, and this is, this is, ah, man, maybe the best Matt moment 
in the whole fucking series. It, it, it's one of them. I mean, like... This is where I really, really fell in love with this character. When Matt beats these two stuck-up... <laughs> I mean, it's so easy to hate these two princes. Gowan and Galan. I wouldn't say I'm in love with Matt at this point. This is the first time where Matt doesn't suck. This is like Matt approaching neutral. <laughs> no, I, I, I was for it right here. You're right. Matt has sucked up to this point. And we haven't gotten any POV chapters. Like, we don't know who he is. He's basically been intentionally sucky. Like, I, I don't think Jordan knew what to do with him at first, you know? Mm. Like, because uh, you really get nothing from him for the first couple of books. Well, I, I wouldn't say he didn't know. I think a lot of it comes from the fact that he didn't know if he was going to get sequels. So he didn't want to devote. Well, he got six books up front. No, it was the first book was all he had at first. So that's why the first book like almost has like an ending, like where he like kills Balsamon and stuff. Like, oh yeah, he he thought that might have been like the they, only book. I that thought he, was he got get. a couple of book deal at first. But you're no, right, that could so. almost be a standalone, huh? Yeah, it was designed to be like if he had to, that could, that could be the only book. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I sure love the second book. It's <laughs> yeah. one of my favorites. I love the second book. Well, we're on the third book right now. So, all right. So yeah, after that, uh, he goes back to his room, and I think uh, he passes some time just kind of recovering again, gambling, earning and, money. Uh, eventually, the Wonder Girls come to visit him. I think this is Elaine and Egwene, and maybe Nynaeve too. But anyhow, Elaine is the important one. Uh, she wants Matt to take a letter to Morgays, and Matt agrees to do this on the condition that they help him get out of Tarvalon. So this is where they get the letter that the girls happen to be carrying that says the bearer of this letter can yeah. do whatever with the authority. The, of the worst thing seat. Matt Coffin could ever have. <laughs> yeah, so a while back... Uh, Swan Sanche told, you know, the, the ladies are, are, are three female leads to hunt down the black Aja and gave them a writ from the Armalin seat that gave them the authority to do just that in whatever means and discretion that they so pleased. And like good little accepted, they gave it away at the first opportunity. Whoever bears this letter, uh, <laughs> I wish we had the... Um, I, I love the way it's written. That's the whole letter, I think, is basically whoever bears this letter. It's also like, don't say shit about it. Like, yeah. at the end, <laughs> like shut the fuck up. Like, oh, which is even better for Matt because he's like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like, low key. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Like, whoever's this, carrying this piece of paper around can do whatever they want. Yeah, basically. And you can't do anything about yeah. it or tell anybody. You remember that happens. movie Blank Check when we were kids? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Matt has a do whatever the fuck you want card. At this point. And he uses it. He goes to the same fucking gate that he tried to get out of earlier. Where the guard knows his description. Because the Omerlin seat told this guard, you know, not personally, but don't let Matt Cotham out of the city. Yeah. So here comes Matt Cotham. The guard says, you know you're not allowed out of the city. And he hands him this letter that says, do whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I will be leaving. Well, yeah. I, th I think actually between those two things happening, he has his first run in with a gray man, right? Uh, you mean whenever he's like on the rooftops and stuff like that? No, you're I think, right. I think this uh, happens while he's dicing in a tavern. A gray man tries to kill him. Hmm. 
I mean, I know that he gets eyed up by some no, thugs and chased in the street. Into the White Tower, right? It doesn't the, a gray man comes into the White Tower? To go after the, the girls. That was the one that tried to kill the girls. Is that later? That's we put dark friend. We put gray man in our notes, but that was it. It, it is right. in the tavern, I think. Well, <laughs> no, I thought what happened was is he got eyed up and he had been fighting people lately. Like I don't think this is the first time it happened. So whenever he's like out and about. Um, while he's fighting one of them, I think it tries to sneak up on him when he's trying to fight someone else. I don't think it's during a fight. I do remember one coming up on him. So he is, he's dicing a lot. He, this is when he discovers his love of gambling and how good he can be at it. And this, obviously he's rough at it. Like he doesn't understand that winning that much that you have to lose sometimes too. Right. Oh, that's true. Like he's, uh, making enemies. Yeah. So he's making enemies. He goes into these bars with low rent people who don't have a ton of money and he's taking all of it and they want to beat his ass afterwards. <laughs> so he, he, he's getting kicked out of a lot of bars. Uh, and he's picking up the, the skill he needs later in tier to take all these noblemen's money. <laughs> Yeah, I think that they're even like questioning his dice at some points and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been a, he, he's getting accused of having the dark one's luck. Uh, I think, you know, at a couple of points he throws. Um, I can't remember what the best dice roll is. The single pips, the dark one's eyes. No, that's that's not it. Sixes is six is the best. Um, Anyways, he throws the best hand like 20 times in a row <laughs> and they're like, you need to get the fuck out. So yeah, uh, the gray man tries to kill him as he's leaving a tavern and they fall, like it tackles him off a bridge and he falls on it and kills it and he's unhurt. Mm. And the man's dagger is implanted. In That's his right. Heart. He kills it out of sheer luck. He falls off that bridge <laughs> and it's like trying to kill him. It basically like has him and just the way they land it, it, the gray man dies, right? And this is where, like, this is another great thing about Matt is he's basically immortal because he's so lucky. You, you you can't kill the guy because he's <laughs> he's gonna trip and impale you with something or like huh. that's kind of foreshadowing gonna collapse. What happens with the uh, golem later in the books? I mean, like he kind of tricks it into jumping into a hole. I mean, it like, is similar. Yeah. yeah, interesting, interesting. Might man. even be in the same city. The I can't golem remember. Golem is so fucking good, man. Yeah. Oh man, what a good baddie. <laughs> I don't think it is in the same city. Okay. I think it's in Kyrian, or no, Camelon. So yeah, Matt finds, uh, he wanders into this tavern called the Woman of Tanchico, and there he recognizes the guy that's playing the harp as our favorite old fart, Tom Marilyn. Old Gleeman himself. Tom is uh, drunk and mourning the death of his GF. And probably violently flashing his cloak around. <laughs> and his uh, leg still bothers him quite a bit, I think, at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as soon as he's uh, done with the merch roll, he's got leg problems for the rest of his life, I think. Uh, that's true. I don't know if it actually ever gets better because he wasn't healed uh, right away. Yeah. It doesn't really, no. So yeah, uh, he hangs out with Tom and they decide to uh, hit the road together. They're going to try to find Elaine again, who is currently in tier. Oh, and that's that's how it gets Tom to go with him, right? Because he cares for Elaine. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, we're trying to go to Tarvalon right now too, right? No, they're in Tarvalon. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yes, sorry. Could have sworn you said Tanchico earlier. Well, the woman of Tanchico is the name of the uh, inn. Oh, I see, I see. Well, and and uh, Tom is trying to get Matt to go fuck off with him. He's like, get away from these eyes to the eye. He's like, come with me. Uh, he's the best hands he's ever seen. Yeah, juggle some stuff, and we can make a fortune over here in, I can't remember where they're trying to go, Ebudar. They're, they're, they're having a big, like, Gleeman festival somewhere for the horn. I can't remember, but he, he's trying to get him to, like, give this all up. But the Taviran pool, man, just won't let Matt do it. <laughs> so they leave Tarvalin with Tom. They're on the road where... Well, they take a ship, actually. Yeah. You're right. So we take the ship, but we get off the ship, and now we're on the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's a fight that goes on on the ship. Um, yeah, I think another gray man. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought that's where the first gray man was, but yeah, there's a fight there with some brigands, maybe, uh, that uh, come off the side of the boat, and Matt and Tom, uh, you know, are very capable with knives and whop, stuff. Whop. And with a flourish, Tom had knives. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, travel, 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 travel. It's raining like shit. All these inns are full. We can't find anywhere to stay. We're going to camp out in this barn. Nobody knows about it. We, me, and, me and Matt and Tom sneak up into this barn. We're in the loft sleeping in the hay. And in comes this woman soaking wet, pulling a wagon. And uh, she lights her lantern out of nowhere just she she flicks her little fingers and all of a sudden her lantern's lit and and tom and matt are both kind of actually i think tom might be asleep still but matt's like whoa that was cool how did she do that <laughs> matches <laughs> uh strikers <laughs> so then in come some ruffians and it turns out these guys are from the illuminator's guild and our homegirl eludra has betrayed her pact to the Illuminators Guild uh, by selling fireworks without their permission. So these guys, I, I mean, I think they want to kill her, right? Like, that's the, the penalty for breaking your guild is death. Yeah, well, actually, she was, I think, one of the leaders of the Chapter House. Yeah, and she that, got fucked over and got... That ran burned down. Right. Ran loyal and... Uh, and it was really, like, some idiot she worked for his fault, but she got blamed for it, and then we ended up, like... So she got kicked out, but then she was selling fireworks after she got kicked out because she felt like she was unjustly kicked out. Yeah. And that she should still have the right to sell her knowledge, right? So... So that's where we are. These guys come in here and they're trying to bust her skull. And Matt is no bloody hero, but also <laughs> a bloody hero. <laughs> Matt is Matt. He's he's got he's got good principles, man. He can't let this woman just be ganged up on. So he jumps down, whoops these guys' ass. And Aludra is thankful for this and gives him a beautiful, beautiful present of some fireworks. Mm -hmm. and, and Matt has been obsessed with fireworks since he was a little kid. If we remember the beginning of episode one, 
Matt got in trouble back in Edmonds Field for cutting open some of the fireworks that the the town council had bought for feast day. And uh, he wanted to see what was inside, right? And that was like a huge no-no. Fireworks are these magical things. Nobody knows how they work. So Matt is very happy to have this big bundle. Eludra well, explains how they work. Go ahead. Do, does she give him fireworks or does she give him explosives? I thought she uh, gave him like M80s, like dynamite. They're fireworks. Yeah, they're oh, okay. fireworks. Yeah. Okay. She says like what they do, you know, these ones go pop. Some of them are like uh, M80 kind of like firecrackers. I don't know. Maybe big. not dynamite. Okay. But he, also some of them are like, I mean, imagine if you took one of the fireworks from Zambelli's and stuck them in a hole in a wall. Even though it's for making a pretty spark, it still blows the fuck up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it still has a devastating power. <laughs> I wonder what he's talking about, sticking them in a hole in the wall. What can yeah. I mean? <laughs> that would never happen. Uh, so yeah, she, she she breaks it down. There's there, there's several different, I can't remember how many different kinds there are, but there's a couple of different kinds. She starts out, these ones are the little you know poppers. They make some smoke, and then she goes all the way up to... Uh, we're blowing this shit the fuck up. So. Bam, kick it up a notch. I lost my place here. So <laughs> nice of uh, her to give him those, especially for how rude he is. You know, I I assume that he was flirting with her at this point as well. What? Matt Matt is terrible at flirting with women. Perrin and Rand are so much better at it than he is. Yeah, but Eludra is somebody that he kind of flirts with for the rest of the series. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. and like nothing ever happens between them. Well, because, I mean, he gets married, but. Well, and also Wait, she's like, Can no. we talk about something? Is Matt a virgin at this point? I thought so. Or, oh, no. Is no, he? Oh, no. Mm. It's never really clear. Like, I felt like the first time I read it, Matt was just, like, fucking chicks. And then, like, the second time through, like, it, it really not. Like, I think all he ever does is dance with girls. Like, I think he makes out with them sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he gets a little... Bounces little, them on their knees. A little squeeze, too, knee. sometimes. You know, a little yeah. rub and tickle. So we were wrong, actually. We said they were going to tear. They're going to Camelin first. Oh, okay. To see <laughs> Elaine's mother? Because, uh... Elaine gave Matt the letter that he's supposed to take. Yeah, I thought we were delivering a letter. Yeah, we were skipping ahead. So, yeah, uh, they save Eludra and then they move on to Camelin, where uh, Matt goes into the palace to deliver this letter to Morgaze, but finds Lord Gabriel there. And I think he overhears a conversation where Gabriel is talking about sending assassins after Elaine. And uh, Matt decides that he has to do something about that. I mean, he I think he sees Gabriel and Morgay's interact, too, and thinks, like, this isn't right. Yeah. Because she's, like, at his beck and call, you know? Right. He dismisses her. Yeah, yeah. So Matt foils Gabriel's assassination plot by assassinating the assassin. <laughs> yeah, so uh, basically after they deliver this letter and they know the plot, they hightail it to Tyr and he just happens to run into the assassin. 
I guess this is probably him saying, man, like, why is my luck so good? I so mean, bad. Like, well, <laughs> he thinks this is bad yeah. luck. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he questions a lot of what happens to him because it seems almost like, why is this happening yeah. to me? You know? <laughs> so, okay. Um, I guess a lot of other things are going on right now, and that's why, you know, he, he gets to tear, and then it's time to rescue the girls, pretty much. So we get to tear... Um, and we're still with Tom, right? Yes. And also, I believe, Julian at this point. Uh, well, well he meets Julian on the wall. Yeah. He so, says, what are you doing here? So, yeah, we have a little gap in our notes here. So, okay. Matt gets a tear, and how does he... Okay, I'm remembering. He meets the woman who helped drug the Three Rivers girls, Nynaeve, uh, Egwene, and I think Elaine too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she regrets it. So, and she regrets it, and, and she... So the girls had hired Julian earlier too to help find the Black Sisters, and that's why Julian's in on this. So Matt meets Julian and this um, healing woman... Uh, I can't remember what they call them in tier. You mean what Nynaeve is? Like a wisdom? Yeah, but it's not called a wisdom in tier. I can't remember. Uh, but sure, she meets this wisdom, and or Matt meets this wisdom and Julian, and somehow he he weasels out that they betrayed our our girls, right? And they tell him they're in the Stone of Tear. Uh, I think they break down a lot of the politics of it, and Matt decides he's going to go save Nynaeve and Egwene. He doesn't really care for Elaine at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So we're jumping across some rooftops, heading towards the Stone of Tear, being a sneaky badger boy. And on top of this roof, we run into some Aiel. That's right. And who is it? Is it Ruark? I think it is, yeah. <laughs> Look that up, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't, Ruark doesn't do anything to him, right? They just keep going or maybe they don't well, notice him. No, no, they stop him at Spearpoint and are like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing up here? And I think Matt tells him the, the plan. Man, I'm having a hard time remembering this. Matt, I think Matt tells him the plan and, and somehow they catch Julian at the same time too. Julian's on the wall. Yeah, they basically just all run into each other. Yeah, all three of them, though. The the, the Aiel, They show up separately, and they all kind of... And Matt. It's almost like it was Tavir. (laughs) So it it is uh, Ruark leading the group, and Gaul is also there. Yeah, yeah, okay. And some of the... There's a few female maidens that we might know. I think it's basically all of the major Aiel characters. Yeah, pretty much. I remember on my reread thinking, oh, shit. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so yeah these guys I mean they almost team up right um, yeah pretty much they're just like yeah let's break into the stone of tear Ruark has a lot of respect for Julin Julin tells him you know the the IU are holding Matt and, and Julin at spear point and Julin tells him that he's a thief catcher and that's a really respected trade among the IU is being I can't remember the this 
the name of the police in the Aiel Society. Stone dogs? Is it stone dogs? Stone dogs are a tribe. Yeah, okay. Do they have like a police? Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Man, I don't remember there being a police. They they make a big deal out of it in this scene right here. Hmm. Uh, Anyway, so Julian's got some some toe because he's a a cop, basically. G. Er, You're right, G. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, my God. I owe you guys toe now. Uh, I apologize. Um, oh no, I'm not supposed to admit it, huh? <laughs> Wait, you owe a lot of time. Can't now. talk about it. Oh no, <laughs> it's getting worse. I'm embarrassing you now. <laughs> I think you're guys shine now. <laughs> you're in a day. Uh, so I think we team up. It's it's uh we team up, Matt. I don't know if they really like to say like, hey, we're teaming up, but it kind of ends up like that. That Matt and Julin go together, and Matt. has the fireworks with him and sees a small arrow slit in the stone that he can climb up to. As he's climbing up there, he sees more Aiel scaling the stone as well, way further up. You know, he can see some uh, a handful of uh, Aiel men. I think he sees them kill people. Breaking in as well. Yeah. Um, they make quick work of some guards, I think. Yeah, maybe. I, I honestly, I thought uh, Julian left him at this point. I thought it was kind of like a, "Hey, I, I see you." No, because no, Julian knows where the the, where the prisoners are, are kept. Oh, okay, and and his familiar face That's is right. what's supposed to get them in, right? Uh, he knows how to get down this servants' corridor where they will be unseen. So Matt sticks the fireworks in the wall and lights it, and it fucking blows up and. Yeah, I think his original plan is to create a diversion and yes. he ends up just like blowing a hole in the wall. Yeah, <laughs> his original plan is to create a diversion and then like sneak through this side gate, but it ends up just blowing this arrow slit into a big enough opening that he can get in. And he storms in, and I, w- I want to say some of the Aiel storm in with him, and they, they fuck some shit up, and he gets down to uh, the prisoners to the dungeon, and... Egwene and Nynaeve have already knocked out the Aes Sedai that is guarding them. Yeah, so Matt just kind of opens the door and lets them out. But they, Yeah, but they can't get out because the keys are too far away. Yeah. But Matt gets the keys and opens the door. And so so it was a team effort, but Matt feels like he should, and he, rightfully so, should have a lot of respect from these women and they don't give a shit that he just saved them. Yeah, they're very ungrateful. They almost act like he's late. Yeah, they're like, fuck you, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, because they thought they had it under control. And I do think that they, maybe they were close to convincing no, the key were. holder. Or... He, was, he was unconscious. They always think they have it under control. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I've never met more. I mean, they walk into every trap. It's ridiculous. So you're saying that in that group that he met was Avienda, Bane, and Chiad as well, or did he meet them afterwards? No, I think he meets all them people right there. Oh, the other thing we mentioned, we forgot to mention, is the the dice for the first time make an appearance in his head. Oh, yeah. Right as he's about to uh, enter the stone. Right as he's sticking the fireworks in, huh? Yeah, it's the first time we get this uh, recurring motif of... Uh, Dice rolling around in his head anytime he's in a... Uh, the dice are rolling, baby. <laughs> anytime there's a momentous decision or action he's about to take, 
he gets this dice rolling in his I head. I mean, sometimes he doesn't even know why they're rolling. Sometimes they just start rolling. Well, later, they don't stop for a while. A he's long like, time. He's like, oh my gosh. That's when what's... he's trying to meet his boo thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I for, think so, yeah. What's her name? Tuan. Tuan. I think that, like it kind of, it seems like every time he's about to make a decision that will impact the pattern, he gets the dice rolling in his head, and he doesn't always know that it's an important decision, but like it does, it happens anyhow, you know. Right. Well, it just shows that he makes the right decisions, pretty much, and that he's lucky. Yeah. So okay, we we've met Avienda, Bane, Chiad, Ruark. Uh, these are our you know big Aiel characters. Maybe maybe someday we'll do an Aiel episode. I don't I don't know if any of those. Would really get their own episode. I think we'd just do like a whole Aiel episode yeah, sometime. Yeah. Oh, another uh, thing, I just want to also make a note on what a great literary device that the dice are because, like, it's every time they they happen, like, your the hairs on your arms stand suspense, up. And you're like, yeah. It is suspenseful. Something's about to happen right now. Something spicy's going down. Oh, I could do a whole episode of the great literary devices Robert Jordan has. I mean, Tavirian is the best like plot armor that's ever been written. <laughs> you might as well just say plot armor. Yeah, happens. it's really like yeah. he he addresses plot armor right on the nose of it, and it's just like this is why that happens. He's it's like, a, yeah, my characters have plot armor, and I don't care. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Well, I, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> Not only that, but like people can see it. Yeah. There's certain people who can actually see You're plot right. armor. It's, it happens like like the characters in the book know that those people have plot yeah, armor. And I said I uh, swan trainee oh swan swan can see it there was somebody else in in a village later where she goes why is he glowing (laughs) oh yeah i don't remember that Mm -hmm. cool okay so forward why is he glowing (laughs) (laughs) why make it stop it's weird um so that's the end of that book isn't it yeah, it's right around here. I can't. I didn't make a note of where it changes, but the the fall of the Stone of Tears is the climax, climax of yeah. the Dragon Reborn. Rand gets a fancy sword, I guess, and um, yeah. Or did that already? No, that's what happens. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Fancy sword time. Pull Cal- we pull uh, Calendor the sword of the, the stone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We fight. A forsaken again we get that trippy ass fight scene well not only does does he fight a forsaken they fight a forsaken that they thought were was already dead i can't wait to see that shit in the show when they're like water stone air like space we're yeah, just it's gonna be great yeah i can't wait that's a rand episode thing though. <laughs> stay tuned for our rand episode which we're doing next i think I was thinking we would do Perrin and then Rand. Like, uh, we, should, we could do Rand next, but I mean, we, we should save the best for last, Perrin, so. <laughs> okay, okay. Cool. I'm into it. Okay, so <clears throat> Matt and Moraine. Yeah, so we get to this point after Tear Falls, uh, the dragon and all of his compatriots kind of just set up a government for a while. Yeah. And, and Matt is just kind of like hanging out during all of this. Trying to avoid responsibility. Flirting with Maidens of the Spear and realizing that that's not always the best idea. Maiden's Kiss. <laughs> he played it well, though. Until the wee hours of the morning, it was said. <laughs> Straight up. I don't, think, I don't think I could play Maiden's Kiss until the sun came up. They never explain what it is. They never explicitly explain it. 
So I, it's just always nice to like kind of create it in my mind. Like I wonder, like so what are they doing? As much as you get is that you, that you, so you stand in the middle of a circle and each maiden puts a spear to your throat at the same time. At the same time, and you have to kiss each one. And if you're kissing badly, they push the spear harder. Oh, okay. So based on how well you kiss, you might get a spear through your throat. Nice. Spin the bottle for uh, people obsessed with murder. Yeah. But it doesn't say <laughs> where they're kissing. Oh, just throw that out there. Gross. <laughs> well, so, so, yeah, Matt yeah. is uh, hanging around during all this time. Doing, uh, <laughs> just taking money off Kinky noble things with maidens and just, taking money. Just robbing noblemen of their cards. So they, they don't play dice. That Dice is a poor man's game. So he's he's had to learn... How to play cards. And he's less lucky at it. <clears throat> because it takes more skill. The dice are just pure luck. But you have to be a little bit good at cards. But he's getting better. And during one of these sessions where he's robbing these noblemen. In fact, robbing them so much that they're trying to stop playing with him. <laughs> they're like, okay, it's getting late here, bud. Uh, let's mosey on off. And then all of a sudden, bubble of evil. Is this the first bubble of evil that we this have? This is the first in one. The series. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, I thought they simultaneously happened uh, with Perrin as well. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it happens to everybody. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Rand, it happens Rand, to Matt first. Though. Matt's the first POV chapter oh, okay. that you get it. Yeah, because I think the Jack might come out of the car. Yeah. Well, with all the all the um, the face cards come alive. Yeah, the queen, the king. Oh, isn't it an high side? Is it the queen of Andor in the card? I thought it was. The Armalin, Armalin seat. I think they're all there. Okay. Because like there's like two, there's more than one queen, you know. Yeah, you're there's right. A suit for each one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, several of these like face characters come to life, pop out of the cards, grow into full size people, and try to kill everybody in the room. Mostly Matt, and everything kind of like turns into slow motion for him. I think he kind of like loses gravity a little bit too, right? Isn't he yeah, like floating he's like around floating a little bit? And time has like stopped or something. It's really weird. And then he like throws, it's kind of like a temporal distortion. A time that's bubble. like focused in a bubble. Yeah. Kind of like uh second era Mistborn stuff. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey <laughs> stuff. So and you can tell because he throws his knives and they move like in slow motion, oh, yeah. like until they hit the edge of this bubble. And then they go fast again. And they kill the queen, and then he like falls out of the air and like hits the ground. Oh, it's exactly second arrow Mistborn. Yeah. Cool. Brandon Sanderson never read this book series. <laughs> Ever. Read it. <laughs> He's like, I never. Wrote it. So yeah, uh, that's pretty terrifying. And yeah, at the same time, you know, our other Tavirian characters and maybe even more than them are experiencing these bubbles as well. And they fight them off in their own way. Yeah. But, Rand gets the uh, mirror thing with yeah, all it's the fucking crazy, yeah. himself and parents hammer like comes to His life. Is the lamest one. The other ones are a lot cooler. <laughs> I think it's while he's working, right? No, he gets back into his room. I think and it's it like while he's talking to Min. his thing. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, he's talking to... It happens to Rand while he's, like, getting propositioned by, uh... What's her name? Bear Lane. Bear Lane. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Tavirian forces seem to be keeping Rand... Uh, uh... I'm sorry. Matt and Rand. As the stone. Keep him around Rand. 
So Matt's Matt's stuck around Rand, and Matt knows it. Or right. like at least he's like, man, I can't get away. I from think it's kind of stuck around each other. Rand, no, Rand is the the stake that Matt's tied to. Yeah, I mean, I would say, say that it works. Over and over it works again. like gravity. I would say, I would think like, so Rand is like the Earth, like exuding his gravity on the Moon, while the Moon also like causes the tides and stuff to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I could buy that. I mean, so like Rand's force is definitely stronger, but Matt's is like pulling on him too. Okay. Okay. So we got a good quote here, Steve. Uh, yeah, sure. <clears throat> Matt raked his fingers through his hair. Tom, I think about leaving all the time, but I get these strange feelings. Almost as if something was going to happen. Something. M- momentous. That's the word. It's like knowing there'll be fireworks for Sunday, only I don't know what it is I'm expecting. Whenever I think too much about leaving, it happens. And suddenly I've found some reason to stay another day. Always just one more bloody day. Doesn't that sound like I said I work to you? Tom swallowed the word to Viren and took his pipe from between his teeth to peer into the smoldering tobacco. Love it. So people who know what's up can tell that Taviran stuff is happening without even like being able to see auras or anything like that. Yeah, Tom's been around. Well, Tom knows tales. Yeah, Tom Tom is a very Tom knows person. everything. Mm, true. And around this time, also, I, I, I uh, love the swallows the word Taviran because like before this, Matt, it's like if you fucking say it, I swear. <laughs> <to you." laughs> well, because of the implication of what it is for Tom, that means Tom is tied. Because Tom. of the implication. Well, Tom Tom <laughs> wants to tell Matt that. Like, earlier in this conversation, we don't have it quoted, but, like, he says to Viren, and Matt's like, shut the fuck up. Like, mm. So he wants to say it again, and he's like, <laughs> um, I think right after that, or the next Matt chapter, he's, like, dicing in a tavern, and he hears rumors about uh, the White Cloak invasion of the Two Rivers. And Perrin hears these rumors as well. Or just... Matt tell parent. I can't remember. No, so all so it, it three separate sources corroborate these rumors and that's how they know it's true. Perrin okay. hears it on his own, Matt hears it on his own, and I want to say Moraine hears it through some of her That makes sense because of the Blue Watchers spy network. Yeah. So it's 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 corroborated from several different sources and that's why they're like, It's fucking real. And uh Yeah. Perrin decides he has to leave at this point. Uh for some reason, he's able to break away from the Taviran pool. I just, I guess, just because the pattern is done with him. Rand gives it, him at this permission point. to go. Yeah, I thought Rand, Rand told him. Rand to encourages it. Well, Rand hasn't like forbidden Matt from leaving either. It's just that like no, but he hasn't told him he can either. Rand says, "Perrin, go to the two rivers because I can't. If I go, my enemies will know that I value it." Yeah, that's true. And that they will attack it further. I think if he would have ordered Matt to go, though, that Matt wouldn't have been able to go because the pattern didn't want him to. But Rand wouldn't have done it. <laughs> if Rand wanted him to go, then the pattern wanted it. You know what I mean? Like, Rand is the, the dick swinger here. Like, Rand is weaving the pattern almost. Uh, Not exactly, but almost. If I wished your heart to stop, would it? <laughs> right? Probably not, though. That Probably. Was, that was a bluff. No, man. Because that kind of shit happened with, like, Arthur Hawkwing. Like, 
like not murdering somebody necessarily, but like like moment to moment changes of his will affected things happening, and that happens to Rand too. I guess I, that is I true, fully yeah. believe that Rand could have killed Catswain right there. I don't know if he can like consciously like manipulate things to happen without channeling, but he knows the golden path. Yeah, <laughs> he can't change it. So anyway, uh, that's a good discussion on how being Tavirin works. That's still relevant to Matt. Uh, so yeah, so Perrin takes off and Matt asks him to uh, look out for the rest of the coffins in the two rivers. Bode. And Abel. And Abel. And his sisters. So then Matt hears from Nynaeve, who heard from Moraine. About this redstone doorway. Uh, yeah, and the way they relay the stories, uh, they're kind of just like talking to Matt while they're like hanging out, I think. And yeah. This like comes up. I don't remember how, but. <laughs> well, they tell him. Oh, man. Don't they uh, feel that he's, he still owes them something? Yeah, it's really funny how it happens because they're like, you shouldn't do that. Like, Matt won't do that. Like, <laughs> they're like, we're going to tell you about it, but you can't do it. <laughs> Matt, Matt's like, oh, yeah. So they're spreading the word about this magic doorway uh, that if you go through it, you'll end up in the world of the Aelfin, uh, who will provide three true answers to questions that the traveler would ask. So this thing's really cool. Uh, originally... It was, you know, it, this is an artifact from the Age of Le Legends, but our known history of it is that it was in uh, Berlant's kingdom. Why can't I think of the name of her kingdom? Source of the name, I think. Who are you talking about? Uh, seductress girl, Berlant's kingdom. Uh, Berlin. Berlin. Is it Berlant? Is that the name of her no, kingdom? No, Berlant is the city in Andor. Okay. Um, Mayen. Mayen, yeah. She's the first of Mayen. Oh, whoa. So, <laughs> originally it was Mayen's property, and each first of Mayen... Oh, that's a great fan art of her. Uh, <laughs> each first of Mayen got to go into this door, and the door only works once, right? So you go in there, you get to ask it three questions, you can never go back in. So at some point, Mayen is pretty subservient to Tyr. They're like barely holding on. They're they're a neighbor to Tyr. Tyr is a much more powerful country. Uh, so one of the rulers, after he had asked it his three questions, had decided that it held no value to him anymore and gave it to Tyr as a gift, not thinking like, oh man, like who bit my kid could have walked through there. <laughs> Uh, so it's been sitting in the basement in Tyr. Tyr has the second largest collection of relics such as this, you know, Sangreal, Terangreal. Uh, I don't think there are any Sangreal there. Uh, no, I feel like there's just all kinds of shit. Like they just have like, there's only like a handful of Sangreal in the world, I think. Okay. But there's lots of like, just like power rot things down yeah, there. Angreal, like, there's a bunch, I think. Yeah. And Terangreal. And like Queen DR and shit like that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Matt being Matt, huh? So they yeah, he just decides to uh, sneak in through the door. He's got some okay. questions he wants answered. And uh, he mentions this to the girls. The girls tell him 
that Maureen told them that this doorway answers questions. And they Maureen told them a lot more than that, too. But that's all Mac gets passed down to him. <laughs> so he sneaks down into the basement of the stone with his little lantern. I think he picks a lock. He gets into this storeroom that has all these ancient things in it. Yeah, he's definitely not supposed to be there. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> but it's, it's also not guarded because it's here. It's like they don't even want to pretend like they have it. You know, they they don't want to talk about it. It's kind of guarded by being in the giant fortress. I mean, there are no like directions posted on it. Right. I thought it was almost forgotten. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. They want to forget about it. It's kind of what I was getting at because they want to pretend the yeah, power they're, doesn't. They're make... not fans of channeling. Yeah. Um. So Matt steps through the doorway. Yeah, and uh, he finds himself in this uh, weird realm. And he is confronted by one of the elfin who leads him to the chamber where there's a whole bunch more elfin sitting around on those big high chairs waiting to uh, have him ask they, questions. They ask him some weird questions. They're like, do you have any iron? Do you have any instruments? Yeah, and we, we learn later that this is like an ancient treaty where uh, these two groups of people, the Elfin and the Elfin, like really hate iron weapons. They're like vulnerable to them. Music will like enchant them. And uh, what was the other one? Fire. They're blinded by fire easily. Yeah. So this is like an ancient treaty that you have to abide by if you want your questions answered when you come through the door. And I mean, these people are... These <clears throat> creatures are aliens, right? Like, this is a different... Yeah, I think they're kind of like extra-dimensional beings. Yeah, this is like a different where and when. Yeah, it's I, definitely not anywhere like physically on, on Ranland. Yeah. yeah. They don't really explain either why they're there or... Because, I mean, the game, the board game is what we find out is like kind of like how... Right, people, All, Oliver has this board game called yeah. Snakes and... Foxes. Foxes. I did. Did he come with it, or did somebody give it to him? But his dad made it. Oh, that's right. But like somebody, the the world knows about the game, but it's kind of just like a it's folklore. a silly children's game. Mm -hmm. like well, the the point of the game is you have to cheat to win. Yeah. And Matt cheats. That's what? way ahead, though. Do you? <laughs> I thought that means Oliver cheats. Oliver never wins. Yes, he does. It's like the very end of the game. Time. He finally learns that you have to cheat to win. Or no, how he, does he, he win? I think he just like does it miraculously. Like, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the one guy who's with him, who's babysitting him, is like, what? Yeah. Like, okay. I do remember that. So let's get inside this doorway. Like Zach was saying, this welcomer, this guy who welcomes him into the realm takes him back to they're walking down this hallway and Matt is looking out this window and each time he walks past another window going down this hallway basically the same view repeats itself over and over again so he realizes he's not in like a normal place and he's he's starting to wake out a little bit so they get him into this room and there's a a big 
desk area, right? Like, I would call it a council chamber, kind of. Yeah, like a, they're on like, like a big pulpit kind of thing, like raised above them, like how judges would sit, a sort dais. of a dais. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, and and kind of to pronounce judgment, right? So I kind of imagined it like if you ever, I don't know if you guys do a lot of DC comics, but if you've ever seen Green Lantern when he like yes goes back to uh, yes the Guardians' homeworld on Oa and they're all sitting like around him in this big council thing on uh, chairs, so like, like the Senate in Star Wars, kind of like that, but less people, yeah, fewer people. Okay, and I just also wanted to point out uh, the weird views from the windows are kind of one of the signs that people take to say this is a different dimension because it seems like the laws of physics work like a little bit differently. Right. Like there's some kind of weird thing with space and time going Yeah, on. I mean, I definitely assume they were not on Earth. Like, I don't know where we are, but this isn't... Yeah, and they're not visions either. Like, it's not like a no, manipulation. This is, no, this is side. real, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This is happening. Like, everything, like, happens really creepy. Like, you can't... Like, the way the hallways work, like, like space and time don't, like, work the same way. Right. In the worlds of the Ilfin and Ilfin as they do in our world. We're on shrimps. <laughs> Matt asks his questions. Yeah, the first one he asks is, uh, should he go to the two rivers to help defend his homeland? Pretty noble question. You must go to Roydeon. <laughs> they tell me he has to go to Roydeon. Matt, not knowing the game, asks them why he should go to Roydeon. They tell him he'll die if he doesn't. Why will he die if he doesn't go? You will have sidestepped the thread of fate, left your fate to drift on the winds of time, and you will be killed by those who do not want that fate fulfilled. And... Those so Matt's asked three questions, right? Like this should be the end of it, and the elephants start freaking out. Well, the main reason they're freaking out, uh, I think, during the time since Matt has entered, uh, Rand and Moraine have also entered. Right. So, so there are two really powerful Taviran in this realm at the same time, and it seems to be like warping things and. Yeah, Matt and Rand. I don't know if Moraine so much has anything to do with it. I'm sure a third person doesn't help, but they're pretty clear that Matt and Rand are the ones that are fucking up the system here. And this is another... It seems like this council is in two places at the same time, which is another... Right, like they're talking to Matt and and Rand. Well, three places at the same time. They're, They're having this interview three times over. Rain doesn't ask them questions. I think she's just there with Rand. Are you sure? No, she goes in by herself and asks them questions. Because she goes into the next d- doorway, too, and asks them That's questions. That's true, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. she comes out, and she didn't know that Matt and Rand were in there. Like, yeah, she's like, what are you doing Yeah, she's here? like, what the fuck? No wonder it was going so crazy. <laughs> um. So the eel fans start freaking out, and they're all, the strain! The strain! <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so Matt just like refuses to go And because these people are being tortured Basically it seems like they kind of Like grant him an extra question Just to like get him the hell out of there as Right, as right. Which is Do you want to read this one Zach? Yeah sure so this is in reference To the last quote where They say 
that he'll be killed by those who do not want the fate fulfilled. So he says, what fate? Burn your hearts, what fate? And they reply, to marry the daughter of the nine moons, to die and live again and live once more a part of what was, to give up half the light of the world to save the world. Together they howled like steam escaping under pressure. Go to Roydion, son of battles. Go to Roydion, trickster. Go, gambler, go. And then he gets thrown out of the doorway like a drunk getting thrown out of a nightclub. Well, he didn't deserve that. <laughs> and he, he tries to run back through and kick their ass. <laughs> so he tries to go back through, but you can only go through once. So instead of getting transported back into this different dimension, he just goes through a stone archway and almost knocks over his lantern and burns the stone of tear down. <laughs> so Matt and, uh, or I'm sorry, Rand and Moraine show up. And they have this conversation about, whoa, that shit was wild. We were all in there at the same time. <laughs> so Matt and Rand kind of got told the same thing. They both need to go to Roydeon. So Matt joins with Rand, Moraine, Lan, Egwene, Ruark, Avienda, and the rest of the Aiel. And they use a portal stone to teleport to the Aiel Waste. Near Roydeon. As close as they can get. Yeah, uh, I guess nears. Not it's still, quite. It's pretty, it's yeah, pretty far have, away. They have several days. They have to waste on foot yeah. for like a very long Maybe time. Maybe a week. Something like that. So, we're in the Io Waste. Heading towards Roydeon. Uh... Yeah, so uh, they all get there together, and uh, I think they see somebody already there. We don't run into the peddlers? <laughs> that's afterwards. That's after? Yeah, this is after. That's, that, that's after this. That's well, what I was. <laughs> when we were uh, putting the outline together, you said that, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Matt and Rand go to Roydeon. And so, okay. So Rand has to go in to do his uh, He Who Comes at the Dawn thing, and Matt just wants to go in because he'll die if he doesn't. And this is a great scene because, okay, so there's several Aiel clans waiting outside of Roydeon for them to show up because the wise ones have dreamt, right, that Rand is coming. And they're like, yes, Karkarn. Some people are already in there. Uh, Ruark's, or not Ruark, uh, Kuladin's Kuladin. brother is in there already. Moradin? No, Moradin is... Uh, the reincarnation. Yeah. It's something, Adin, though. Yeah, it's a similar sounding name. I can't think of it right now. Do the boys have to get naked? No, only Just the ladies. Uh, Avienda. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, hey, the, the, as they're getting ready too. to go, they see, like... Uh, Aviando running into the city naked. Yeah. They're like, "What the hell was that?" Yeah, what? <laughs> so they tell Rand he can go. Obviously, you're the car car. Go ahead, you have to try. And Matt's like, "I'm gonna get to." <laughs> and everybody's <laughs> like, "So first off, nobody besides the wise ones is happy that Rand is going because he's a wetlander, and wetlanders suck." Yeah, uh, they do. So when Rand decide or when Matt decides that he's gonna go too, it's it's. Starts quite the ruckus, and somehow they he talks him into it. And they decide, okay, you can go. You have to 
disarm yourself, though. You're not allowed to bring any weapons into Roideon. Oh, yeah, and he's pulling them out. He's like, I forgot yeah. about that Pulls one. Pulls out, like, 50 knives. And, and the like, are like, nice. nice. They're, they're like, is that it? <laughs> and he's like, okay, I got two more of my boots. Yeah, and the maidens are like, good job. Okay, this guy <laughs> this guy got knives. He probably kills people real good. He, da- <laughs> he dances well. Uh, so they begin their journey into Roideon. So they're they're heading through the city and they go in. Uh, on is misty, like it's got that dome of mist and fog where nobody can really see into it. So they head into it together, and uh, Rand like channels some water out of a fountain, and Matt's like really freaked out by that because he hates it every time Rand channels near him. Which hasn't happened very many times up till now. No. Uh, and then they proceed down the road and eventually they get to like the center of the city where they find the circle of glass columns and there's also the tree of life there, Aventasora, and a large cache of artifacts that the uh, Jinnail just kind of like dumped there when are, they it, got to Rudion. They're like spread all out in the street, aren't they? Isn't it kind of like, what happened here? Yeah, well, basically it sounds like, uh, so we know through the flashbacks that we get in the circle that like the Jin Aiel were like the original Aiel from the Age of Legends like hauling all these uh artifacts for the Aes Sedai that's like what their mission was man the flashbacks are so fucking cool (laughs) (laughs) so they're they're hauling all this magic gear and they get to where they were supposed to meet the Aes Sedai and I think it sounds like they just dropped all this shit on the ground and like built a city around it Oh, I see. It's kind of strange, yeah. though, to just, like, leave it on the ground. Yeah, and I mean, the city is only half finished as well. Like, it, a lot of it is half done. I don't want to say in ruin because it was never completed, you know? Well, it also is in ruin because it's been there for, like, 3,000 years. Well, but it's power rot buildings as well. Like, they're in pretty good shape, I think. Like, there's still glass in the windows, isn't there? I think sometimes, yeah, that might be a thing. I don't remember. You've read it more recently. <laughs> um, so Rand makes his way to these giant glass pillars, and, and these pillars were set there by the original Aes Sedai that came with the Gen Aiel, or just the Aiel, I guess, with them to... Uh, the waste to build <laughs> Jesus Christ, what is my train of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they we kinda just went over this, I guess, so Yeah. We sorry. can just like spin it up to uh Matt is kind of just hanging out while Rand does his uh car corn thing. He's doing his ordeal in the columns and just tells Matt to like hang out and chill while he does that. So I think Matt hangs out under a Vendasaur for a while, but then he gets bored and starts like looking around at all the stuff and he finds another twisted stone frame door. Yes. And he's like, all right, awesome. Time to even the score. Let's get in there and beat the shit out of those losers <laughs> for not answering my questions right the first time. Yeah. So and he for, goes in. throwing me out so rough. Yeah. So he goes in. <laughs> Yeah, and he's he's met with something different. Uh, he was expecting it to be exactly the same, but uh, this time it's the Eelfin. We have the fox people. 
again, he's met by uh, a, a representative of the race, a, a single guess. representative who asks him again if he has these things. Uh, Iron fire music, that kind of thing. Right. And takes him back to this council chamber type of room full of Fox people. And he asks for a clarification to the answers that he got before. You know, he wants to know what this shit means. Yeah, he thinks he's asking more questions and he doesn't realize that this is a different deal than the first one. These people give you things. Even though these these are completely different looking creatures. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fox now. He's like, same deal, same door, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Matt gets frustrated at their lack of answers. Uh, you know, his, he's complaining that his questions have been answered vaguely and he goes on this big tirade uh he does <clears throat> no negotiating he's like this is all bullshit i'm sick of the eyes to die i'm sick of rand i'm sick of my memories memories and fox people and snake people and if i had it my way i'd do all this stuff and the elephant are like, cool, bro. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you all Good deal. Well, this is, yeah, this is how he ends up accidentally asking for the things that they're going to grant him. So, And like Steve said, the elephant called him a fool for not negotiating and, <laughs> and for not asking a price uh, for these gifts. And, and then Matt loses consciousness and he wakes up. Well, we're skipping over the uh, things that he asks. What, if I had my way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He says, if I have my way, he wants the holes in his me uh, memory filled. Uh, he says that the Ilfin are just as bad as the Aes Sedai, and he wants, uh, he wishes that he could be rid of the power. Like, he doesn't want to be, like, he don't, doesn't want the Aes Sedai power to ever be used on him. Uh, and he says that he wants to be away from the Ilfin uh, back in Rodion. Yeah, so then they, they make fun of him and call him dumb for not negotiating a price, and they're like, granted... So Matt wakes up hanging from the tree of life. Uh, and he's got a fox head medallion around his neck and his Ashandari. I think it's leaning up against the tree or something. Well, the, the Ashandari is kind of like propped up between two branches as like a cross beam. And then the noose is like hanging from the Ashandari that he's getting hanged off of. Okay. Yeah, he's hanging from the Ashandari. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's okay. like parallel to the ground, like oh, right, propped up right. between two branches. So, uh, yeah, I think before we move along with any of the plot stuff, we should circle back and talk about the implications for the rest of the story that we get from these two visits to the Elfin and the Elfin. So... I guess we start with the snake people. Uh, the daughter of the nine moons. Let's talk about that again. To marry the daughter of the nine moons, to die and live again, live once more a part of what was, give up half the light of the world to save the world. So the daughter of the nine moons is obviously foreshadowing his marriage to uh, Tuon. Tuon, who is the daughter, the daughter of the nine, nine moons. moons. Is <laughs> A Sean Chan title that they give to the heir. 
Of the kingdom, yeah. She's the princess in waiting. He also uses that as a tool to kind of gauge people sometimes. He'll just, like, be, he'll throw it into a conversation. He'll just be like, yeah, how about the daughter of the nine moons? And then, like, one one person, like, spits their stuff out. They're yeah. like, what? Well, he really wants to know what it means. He has no idea. So he just tries to, like, drop it into conversation. Well, and every time he meets a girl that he fancies, he's like, you're not the daughter of the nine moons, are you? Yeah. <laughs> he just has to make sure they're not getting married. I think he might have even ran into a Shawshank in tear. Yeah, that's who spits their tea. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. To die and live again and live once more a part of what was. This is a great one. So I mean he's gonna die like right now. Like Well No. Oh yeah, you're right. We I I can we, we went back and yeah. confirmed this that he doesn't You're supposed to think that this was when he died, I think. Right. Uh, which is important because if he dies, then he's separated from the horn. But um, he's I, yeah, he doesn't die right here though. Robert Jordan actually said in an interview that the uh, the time that he dies is uh, later on. It's not actually this this point yeah, where he's yeah. being hung from the tree. That's where I got that from. Yeah, genius. So when does he die, Zach? In uh, Camelin, when he gets lightning bolted by. Uh What's his name? Samael? No, not Samael. Gabriel. 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 Yeah. I, don't, I can't remember what his forsaken name is now. Gabriel's a fake <clears> name. <throat> Might as well call him Gabriel. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he, yeah, that's when he actually dies. So. And then uh, Rand Balefire is that guy, and Matt is alive again. And like reverses time. Yeah. yeah. And that gets set up earlier when Matt gets attacked by those hellhounds. And the Rand rewinds time. So uh, then there's uh, to give up half the light of the world to save the world, which uh, is an allusion to when Matt will have to gouge out his eye to... Uh, they pluck it out. Yeah, that's true. Ravine. Yeah. It was Ravine. Robin, that's right. I yeah. forget. He goes, Robin! <laughs> that's the uh, Forsaken that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Gabriel. Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so there, then we get to the eel fin. So he gets uh, <coughs> the Ashendari, the Foxhead Medallion, and what's the last one? His memories. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's <clears throat> he's fully fluent in the old tongue at this point. He can read it, and that's why he reads uh, the inscription that is on the Foxhead Medallion. Or is yeah. it on the, so he on asked, the weapon? He it's on the weapon. The, yeah, the, and the inscription you're talking about is, Thus is our treaty written, thus is agreement made. Thought is the arrow of time, memory never fades. What was asked is given, the price is paid. Mm. I like that. So he asked for the holes in his memory filled. He now has all that done. And he asked for a way to deal with the one power. And he got the Foxhead Foxhead medallion. Medallion. And he asked for a way uh, away from the Eelfin and back to Rordion, which he got in the form of the Ashendari. It's a little bit looser, huh? Well, it's exact when you get to Towers of Midnight and he uses the Ashen Diary to cut his way out of Oh yeah. The Tower of Genjai. Oh, I forgot all about that. I haven't gotten that far on my reread yet. Yeah. I forgot about the Towers of Genjai. That's important. <laughs> well, you got a while before that. I yeah, guess. yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> so yeah, Matt is now fully decked out D and D character. We're well, he's Odin, I would say, almost right now. Well, that's absolutely the visual that I get, like him hanging in the tree and gaining knowledge, and even losing an eye. It's it's definitely uh, the spear was connected with Odin a lot, so he's got the Ashendari, which is basically a big spear. Yeah. I think they even call him Lord of Ravens. Yeah, another name for Odin. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of Odin crossovers for Matt. Definitely. His luck, even. And now, this is... Um, uh, so, Roydion later becomes a place where they can live, but that's not what happens now. They they exit no. Roydion. It stays the way it is. And they go back up the mountain, and they and they talk to the the wise ones in the right. Later, Rand and Osmodion come back and travel back there and fuck it up, mm-hmm. and then make it dope. Yeah. So Rand helps Matt come down from the tree and revives him, and then they uh, come out of the Rodion, like Steve said. And uh, well, along the way out of well, okay, so they leave Rodion. And then, uh, there's a bubble of evil along the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, on their way out of Roydion. Yeah. And Rand channels a bunch and busts them up. They're like dust monsters, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh, it's a group, uh, journeys on from Roydion. Uh, from there, they're, they're heading towards, uh, that big Aiel meeting place where Rand is going to give his speech and claim that he's the Karakorn. I just picture Red Rocks in Colorado. <laughs> it is kind of like that, yeah. Yeah. So uh, as they're traveling around, he buys his famous hat from uh, the Forsaken that are opposing his peddlers. Yeah, they run into this big group of peddlers, and what, there's two Forsaken. Two Forsaken. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, Osmodian and... Uh, Landfear. Landfear, yeah. Except we don't know that yet. I mean, Lanfear is actually very gross at this point. She's, she's yeah, like, we think she's like. There's a hot girl in the party too, and you think she's the Forsaken, but it's actually the the fat. It's funny because like all of the male characters are like, "Man, this lady is like fucking huge," but also I'd bang her because her voice. <laughs> Did you say that they keep talking about her voice. They're like, okay. "God, her voice is sexy." Like, wow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Matt buys. His hat off of a very high-ranking dark friend. And, and this is like his look assembled. So he's got his hat now, and he's going to start wearing the scarves to hide the hanging scarves that he has on his neck. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, right. And this this is where I'm at with like his fully like loaded character, right? Like this yeah. is this is Matt being just like the definition of Matt for the first time. Yeah, like he's he's maxed out his character points. Like we're here. <clears throat> His skills are at peak. So as they're uh, traveling through the waste, he develops a relationship with an Aiel girl, Melindra. Uh, they just they're just kind of flirting and making out. Uh, and Matt Rand is trying to consolidate the Aiel at this point. And uh, as they're like traveling around from hold to hold, heading towards the big meeting place. Matt starts to show some expertise with the Ashandari, which is 
a little bit creepy. Uh, I think it's a lot to do with his past memories, like blending with the skill that he already has with the quarterstaff. Yeah, definitely. Like he's already good at the quarterstaff. But he's know. way better now than he was before. Yeah, I mean, he gets better at everything. Like it, it's, it says that he's better at riding horses. You know, he's an expert horseman now, ran notes. Yeah, like all these memories are kind of just like a full on part of him now, whereas before they were kind of like things that came in flashes. Right. Uh, he also notices the fox head medallion going to work. Uh, they're attacked by some shadow spawn, and it goes cold and prevents the channeling from affecting him. Uh, Maureen also tries to heal his dark hound infection, and he notices that the medallion blocks it and goes cold. And <clears throat> this is where we get set up for the balefire that kills him later that we were talking about. So this dog is chewing at the door that he's got his back to and it gets through and, and I don't think it bites him. I think he just gets slobber it slobbers on him, on him yeah. a lot though. Like well, enough, enough to fuck like that would, it would have killed him. That's skipping ahead a little bit though, isn't it? Because that's when they're Groydeon. That's when he's, no, no that's right now. I, I, I think that why would he have a door then? I mean, it's when he comes downstairs and Rand is like, Hey, I'm leaving Groydeon and he's like at the door where the dog, kind of melts through it a little bit no it's a door in like cold rocks hold i think really yeah. i mean like because he was upstairs with melindra and i don't think that happens until the next book that he's like staying with her because remember there's the multiple levels of it's definitely not right yeah all right we checked all right <laughs> definitely not right yeah this also says he kills a fae but i don't think he does i think he like helps injure it and then the yeah i'll save him yep. yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, he does not kill the fade. Um, <clears throat> who wrote these notes? <laughs> so yeah, so like I was saying, this sets up the the balefire saving him later. That it reverses time. This is kind of the the foreshadow yeah. for that. The dog is chewing through the door and it drools all over him. And Rand kills it with balefire and reverses it enough in time that basically only like one little drop got on him. Because Moraine's like, man, if it would have been much more than that, you would have been done. Like, I thought actually he said that he could still feel the pain from it, even though it no longer left a yeah, mark. He's, he's like, well, it would have never happened at all if Rand balefired it. That's what I mean. Like he's, but he's like, man, I can kind of tell that I yeah, got. Yeah, you're right, it. huh? He just like. It's like a phantom limb kind of thing. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which, you're right. Which might be like something that Robert uh, Jordan pulled from like his, his war experience. Like sure. Just kind of. Sure. <clears throat> That's something we don't talk about enough so far is how much. I think a lot of that applies to Rand more than anybody else. Like I plan on getting really into that with the Rand episode. You're right. Yeah. 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 A lot of the channeling is more involved with that. So, yeah, uh, Matt just kind of tags along with Rand for a while. Uh, he does his big speech at the uh, gathering place and tells all the Aiel about their past, and they get real set, upset, and then Coolin's like, no, F you, I'm the Karakorn. Yeah, because they both have tattoos. They both have the dragon tattoos on their arms, but one of them, we find out, was given to Coolin By Osmodian. Yeah, Kuladin yes. never went to Roydeon. He got his tattoos from Osmodian. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the shadows split off there and kind of just like start this path of destruction, like burning everything in their way as they go to uh, Kyrian. Because they go from Roydeon through the mountain passes. 
And then about another third align with Ran and in the final third are kind of unaligned. Are kind of unaligned. You don't know who the real Karakorn is. They're kind of waiting for uh them to kill each other and right. with the survivor. So Rand and his people started chasing after Kooladun. And Kooladun is just like burning every settlement that he comes across, like causing as much destruction to the wetlanders as possible, like just jacking everything up. Yeah, he's he's abandoned the Aiel traditions of taking the fifth. He's taking as much as he can. Uh, he's not claiming guy shine he's just murdering well, he is people. claiming guy shine but what land are guys shine right right you're right which is not supposed <clears throat> to be a thing because they're not bound to geoto yeah they don't follow it so he's he's forsaking a lot of aiel traditions and will continue to do so and honestly uh we could talk a little bit about that mostly this is savannah's uh manipulation Savan. Uh, of Kooladin, I think, but that's for another episode, I guess. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot happening, like the Forsaken, obviously, uh, Asmodian and Lanfear want him to uh, kind of uh, deflect Rand from being the true Karkarn. Yeah. So chaos. Uh, divided enemies are easier to conquer, that kind of thing. So... Uh, we're chasing across the the mountains here towards Kyrian. Uh, we're out of the IU waste. Matt starts having a bunch of flashbacks and memories flooding into him. Here's a quote. Uh, how he feels about his memories affecting him. He says, I am no bloody hero, he thought grimly, and I'm no bloody soldier. Fiercely, he pushed down a memory of walking fortress walls, ordering his last reserves to where another group of Trolloc scaling ladders had sprung up. That was not me. The light burn, whoever it was. So good. So, uh... <coughs> the Rand and his Aiel with Matt and company and, uh... Everybody else are chasing the Shido led by Kuldin to Kyrian and it's kind of like a race because obviously nothing good is going to happen if Kuldin gets there first which he does he does yeah he does get there and he sacks Kyrian or starts to right you're right he hasn't gotten over the walls yet. yeah so this is the second battle of Kyrian is what it's known as the first time it was sacked 20 years prior during the first Aiel war and the topless towers were toppled That's and so point. Matt uh Trying as hard as he can to deny his destiny at this point is uh, convinced that he needs to just get the hell away from Rand in this battle and get as far away as fast as He's possible. He's going. He's out of here, okay? <laughs> He's yeah. doing it this time. I, I do actually think at this point that he was like, oh, okay, he's on horseback. He's he's trying to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's not he on actually, horseback yet. He's made up his mind that he's going to leave. He's been trying to for a while, actually, but he just keeps, like, getting pulled back in. Right. Like, he keeps saying, oh, I'm going to leave tomorrow. Right. But the the Taviran pull is strong and keeps drawing him back. But he finally is going to make a move, and he uh, he goes to Rand's tent on his way out because he wants to say goodbye and uh, get the dragon's blessing. He walks in there, and, and there's a couple maps on the floor. These giant maps are laid out with 
troop placements on them and and matt starts to realize the the scale of the battle that this is the biggest battle since archer hawkwing you know there's hundreds of thousands of troops involved and aiel and kyrian and tier and just multiple nations and <clears throat> the scale of this thing is just massive and and he begins to go into some planning you know uh yeah, and I mean, we find about this afterwards, but Rand had sent Lan in to try and see if Matt would spill the beans. And uh, they're basically probing him to see if he does have knowledge of, of battles and wars and things like that. Yeah, because they've, they've noticed a change since Rodion and the other stone door. Like, that he's right. like saying things that sound like a, a battle season general would say or... Like you said, it's his horsemanship or his fighting ability. And and Lan kind of says, uh, hey, well, you know, what about just charging down into the middle? And Matt's like, ah, oh, you know, if you're a light-blinded fool. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and, and Matt starts to formulate a plan. He realizes he needs to push the Shida away from the city, leaving them an open path so that they don't feel trapped and fight tooth and nail. You know, he leaves them an exit route that he's going to push them across this river or across this bridge where he knows he can cut them off. And he also knows that he needs to uh, defend his rear because there's still the remaining undecided Aiel. So he splits his force and he says, Not much different from the Tor Shan either, or Solmine Gap, before Hawkwing found his stride. The names flickered through his head, the images of bloody fields forgotten even by historians. Absorbing the map as he was, they did not register as anything but his own remembrances. Too bad you don't have more cavalry. Light cavalry is best for harrying. Bite at the flanks, keep them running, and never let them settle to fight. But Aiel should do almost as well. Yeah, so here's another example of Matt having, like, clear memories of, like, all kinds of battles from, like, Hawkwing's Day and the Trolloc War. I love the, before Hawkwing found his stride, that, that's such a rich, there's so much lore. And that's like, he. it sounds like he knows Hawkwing, like, personally. He's like, oh, yeah, back when uh, we were just or, fucking around in the hills. Or almost <laughs> like he maybe taught Hawkwing a little bit, or like... Like, he was a little bit better of a general for a minute there, <laughs> you know what I mean? Before Hawkwing, like, pulled his Tavirian strength in. It's just such an interesting line. Yeah, and we'll move right along with another reading, and I can do this one. Okay. Uh, this is going to illustrate how Matt emotionally relates to battle very well, I think. Matt was caught up in it now. He more than merely liked gambling. And battle was a gamble to make dicing in taverns a thing for children and toothless invalids. Lives were the stake here, your own and other men's, men who were not even there. Make the wrong wager, a foolish bet, and cities died, or whole nations. Natale's somber music was fit accompaniment. At the same time, this was a game that set the blood racing. Somebody likes war. Yeah, this is, uh, I guess this is a thing that we can talk about, uh, what? With Robert Jordan's service history, uh, this is a thing that the combat veterans I know happens to a lot where they just kind of get excited by it. Absolutely. 
like the the adrenaline rush is like a really addictive thing whether you like enjoy what's happening or not it's like a drug kind of and people get addicted to it yeah i don't just think... like gambling like the way that matt's talking about <clears throat> it. yeah yeah it can be destructive but there's just kind of like a primal like thrill of it i guess you would say well your brain is just like pre-programmed to crave stimulant and what is more mentally stimulating than almost getting killed right like well that and something that he's good at yeah that's true too i mean just in general though like i think combat is probably the most keyed in you could ever be right like you know like gambling fighting skydiving yeah yeah your adrenaline's up your senses are peaked you know and and People get addicted to that as much as they do drugs, you know? Yeah, yeah. And not through any fault of their own, but people's brains are just wired that way. So, <clears throat> Matt lays out his plan here. He's he's looked back into his cornucopia of ancient battle wisdom and set out his plan of splitting his forces. And Lan agrees. Uh he he thinks that's a pretty good plan. It's kind of what he was going to do, too. Yeah, I think that we do find out that Lan was already going to do that, and he was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, Matt, so this is the exact same plan that uh, Rand's war council, like all the IL chiefs and yeah, all Ruark of the, like, and Lan and Tyrant generals like working together came up with. And yeah. Just kind of like... It makes it better, though. Yeah. He casually whips it out and is like, well, yeah. this is what I would do. Yeah, yeah. And it makes it better. He fills in some blanks, man. In like two minutes, he lays out a plan that it took like the War Council like hours of debates to come up with. And we had mentioned Nitel, uh, the somber music. That's actually Asmodian is in the room uh, playing music. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Where yeah, so- not, he's just like blown away by what he just saw. Yeah, and this is where I think that Osmodian recognizes Matt. He he looks at him very suspect and I think he has heard this battle plan before from this man kind of thing. Like it it sparks a remembrance. The music had stopped. Matt glanced at Natale and found the man holding his harp rigidly, staring at him over it harder than ever. Staring as if he had ne- never seen him before did not know what he was the gleeman's eyes were dark polished glass his knuckles white on the harp's gilding see and that's where like I, I you know he's he's squeezing this he's squeezing this harp eyes big and glassed over in shock like i feel like he's sitting there like what the fuck he's probably also scared of him well, this is like a crazy thing to witness, even if he doesn't like recognize him as like a figure of history or something. Right. Like, this guy's like talking about like battles like he'd been there that were like 300 years ago. That's true, too. If he mentioned some of these battles out loud, Osmodian might have actually been at some of them. Well, no, he would have been sealed in the boar. Oh, yeah, you're right. Huh? Yeah, he's Since been the Trolloc War. He probably like Matt's... would have known what was happening. I don't know. No, probably not. Since the Trolloc War, Matt's memories are from, right? So that's way after Osmodian. Yeah. Ishamael was around. Right. Right. So, yeah. And that uh, is when Matt decides to just take off and leave. So he gets on his horse. He gets on Pips. Have we talked about Pips? No, we haven't really said anything about Pips. No. 
I mean, it where took did, me like so long to realize that Pips was like what you call the dots on dice. Yes. Like, oh, really? That's why he named his horse. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. basically the fact <laughs> that I was going to put out. Yeah, Matt's horse is named Pips, and a pip is the d- individual dot on a dice. So if there's one dot, you know, a one it's is a pip. one pip. Yep. Yeah. Where do you get pips? I don't know. I think that's just what they're really called. No, the horse, where did he get it? I don't oh, remember. Horse, uh, I don't know. Hmm. He picks it. I remember him. You yeah, know, he does. I, I feel like he's in tier, but I'm not, because that's when he would have gotten yeah, on a horse right. to go yeah. through the portal. Yeah, but. he picks it in tier, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, because um, tier race horses, right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, you're yeah. right. A tyrant stallion. So as he's riding off, the, the dice were spinning in his head. We get that again. That's the second time that we get dice. And this is also the first time we uh, get Dance with Jack of the Shadows, which becomes like his theme song, basically. Great song. So Matt is trying his best to uh, GTFO. He wants out of there more than anything, but... uh, Man, this guy just can't... He's not going to make it. He's going to get pulled back in. (laughs) He doesn't even make it very far. No, he doesn't. (laughs) He just can't win. So he's riding out of Kyrian when he spots like... He's trying to move through the woods so he can get out without being attacked by any, like, roving bands of Aiel or anything. Yeah, so this battle is, like, massive. It's taking place over miles and miles. Like, there's no, like, front line. Kyrian is really hilly and forested, so there's a bunch of, like, different battles going on, you know? I kind of think of it a lot like Gettysburg. Like, uh... That's probably a good... It's not, like, a big pitch battle. There's, like, a, a series of minor engagements where, like, the armies kind of, like, skirmish with each other. And, right. And they're never exactly, like, fighting each other head on. Yeah. And that's a great example. It is a lot like Gettysburg. And uh, <clears throat> so Matt runs into... Or it doesn't run into. He sees a group of Aiel, and then he sees a group of Rand's troops that are about to get jacked by this IEL group, right? Bloody ashes. <laughs> and Matt's like, shit. I should just ride on, right? Like, he's just gonna leave. I could just, like, dip right out of here and nobody would ever know. And he goes, no, 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 no. I could ride down there and tell them that the IEL are here and then just leave. Just oh. warn them, right? Well, it, it's funny because he kind of says in his mind, I'm going to go down there, I'm going to warn them, and then I'll leave. But this also shows that he's bad at negotiating because he goes into it and he gives these people the information, and then they say the price after he gives (laughs) them the information. Oh, you're out of something there. Right, because he he says to them, hey, you should do this, you're about to be attacked. And they say, sure, that's a good plan. And and then they're like, you know, battle brother. Go ahead. They're like, you're going to, if we're going to do this, then you have to stay here. And yeah, so, yeah, and that's I don't pretty- think they ever actually like deliberately ask him to stay. I think he just kind of like realizes that he has to because they're going to get themselves killed. No, I think they said, I'll listen to you if you stay. There is kind of a part like that. Um, he never gets put in charge, but they're like, go he, ahead, ride out there. Well, he tells them there's an ambush up ahead and they're like, oh, awesome. We're just going to charge him and it's going to be glorious and we're going to like. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And he's like, you can't fucking do that. God damn it. But, I gotta. But, but nobody ever puts him in charge. He just keeps like, like Zach said, they keep like fumbling the ball a little bit. And Matt just keeps having to like. And he's like, it. well, if they don't know what they're doing, I guess I'm just going to have to do it myself. God damn it. Well, one group dies. They, they do the opposite of what he said and like try and fight them one on one. And he's like, don't do that. Make them attack. Yeah. Them. Yeah. And, but so through Matt's, he, he basically, these guys are, he rides up. At full tilt, right? Just hauling ass towards this group. And uh, they lower lances at him. They're like, who the the hell is this guy? (laughs) I believe it's uh, Tyrant Infantry and Kyrian and Cavalry. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was looking for. Uh, So, you know, obviously one guy is no threat, so they don't spear him or anything, but he rides past these, you know, lancers right up to the main group, and he starts shouting orders, and they say, who are you? And he says, you know, I'm friends with the Dragon Reborn. And some guys recognize him because he's played cards with them before and things. Right. And he's like, if you don't listen to me, Rand's going to channel your head up your butt. <laughs> That's like literally what he says. Uh, so he starts giving some advice, and he wants to leave. Uh, even after he assumes pseudo command of this unit and defeats this first group of Aiel, he's still trying to flee the battle. Yeah, it's funny. There's a point where he like uh, he remarks, he's like, they all think I'm like trying to find another like fight for them yeah. to like win at like ridiculous odds. So he's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm really just trying to get us the fuck out of here. <laughs> and because of his Tavira nature, this whole like miles wide battle is shifting wherever Matt goes. He remains in the center of the field, basically. And he goes left, the battle moves left. He goes right, the battle moves right. And and he just can't get out of the heart of this pitch battle that's going on. And he, he ends up encountering, I think, three different IEL groups. And yeah, it, there's the first battle, and then there's one that we don't really get a description of, and then there's the third like one where, uh, and this third one is is pretty fun because Kuladin is leading this sort of elite little group. Well, I don't think they know for sure that it's Kuladin at first. They no. he, they they hear his name, or they they do they know Kuladin. They, no, they say, hey, we think Kuladin's up in that group, and he says, hey, if if he is. Say, protect the the dragon. Yeah, that is a big reading here, actually. Yeah. So they're they're kind of, Matt's trying to find them a way out, and they see like this giant. They're kind of like in uh, tucked in between two big a hollow ridges, and they can see this force of Aiels moving. And the Aiel, the Aiel do not see them, but they see the Aiel. So like those guys are headed like straight for us. We got to do something. We can't get out of the way because they'll see us and chase us down. Right. We gotta like stay here and set something up. So uh, I'll do this reading, I guess. You guys have been reading more than me, I think. They will think we wanted to run, realized we could not, and turned at bay like a bear to the hounds. Seeing us less than half their number and fighting only because we must, they should think to rule over us. Can we but hold their attention until the horse comes down on them from behind? The Kyrianan actually grinned. It is using the Aiel's own tactics against them. We had better hold their bloody attention. Matt's tone was dry as he was wet. To make sure we do, to make sure they don't start putting troops around our flanks, I want to cry raised as soon as you stop the retreat. Protect the Lord Dragon. This time, Dayrid laughed out loud. That should bring the shadow in right enough, especially if Kuldin was leading. 
If Cooldin was really leading, if he thought Rand was with the pikes, if the pikes could hold until the horses arrived. A lot of ifs. Matt could hear those dice rolling in his head again. This was the biggest gamble he had ever taken in his life. He wondered how long it was until nightfall. A man should be able to make his way out in the night. He wished those dice would get out of his head, or else fall so he knew what they showed. Scowling into the rain, he booted Pips on down the hillside. Pips. So he's headed into the battle, and then, and like, the biggest disappointment I have in this book, probably we don't get to see the battle. Yeah, <laughs> we, we just hear that his head is on a pike, so. Well, you, you don't even get that until, like, halfway through the next chapter. I mean, it's obvious that Matt killed him, like, right away, I think. I Actually, was that the end of the chapter, that quote? Because... It ends there. Like, it ends with that battle starting, pretty much. And then, I can't yeah. remember if that's an exact chapter break, but that's where you, like, ends Matt's point of view, for sure, and then okay, it cuts yeah. back to it, like, later. I think yeah. there's, like, a Rand POV, but I don't remember if it's a different chapter. We do have here, the next scene is Matt recovering from his duel with Kooladin while his men celebrate. He recognized it. Mainly from those memories he could still assign to other men. If he concentrated hard enough... A celebration of still being alive. One more time they had walked under the Dark One's nose and survived to tell the tale. One more dance along the razor's edge finished. Almost dead yesterday. Maybe dead tomorrow. But alive. Gloriously alive today. That's one of my favorite quotes in the whole series, I think. That last line on that one. Yeah. Almost dead yesterday. Maybe dead tomorrow. But alive. You can tell it's definitely written by somebody who uh, survived a couple battles of his own. Yeah, I think so too. And it's also kind of cool to hear coming from Matt because, you know, this entire day he was trying to escape and then he kind of just has this like almost eureka of like, I feel alive, you know, like this is, this is, this is life, you know, instead of like talking about running away this is about as close as you can get i think to matt actually like with his like inner monologue like connecting to the way that he actually feels yeah because he's always like contradicting himself like he's always like thinking one thing and doing another yeah and this is like one of the only Genuine times i think emotion. where he's like aligned with himself where yeah. he's like this is what's happening and i like it well man. that's a good take man <laughs> you're right huh most of the time he is like Saying left and going right. Yeah. You know, post-battle clarity. <laughs> like, he's always trying to run away from his destiny, and here I think he's at peace with it for, like, a brief second. I mean, that's something that I've heard, you know, combat vets talk about is, you know, that weird clarity after something, some bout of adrenaline like that. Yeah. Know, that's why people jump out of airplanes. <laughs> We get some uh, important characters that come up next. Yeah, these guys, we met them actually, like, during the battle. They were part of the uh, Tyron and Kyrian and, like, mixed unit that Matt has been commanding. And they're so impressed with him that they decide that they want to swear to him personally. One of these guys ends up being one of my favorite POV chapters in the whole book. Tell Tell honest, honest, yeah, that's, uh, that's a really Brandon Sanderson thing. Though. It is, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's kind of a nothing character until then. 
And Nolisian is actually one of my favorite uh, characters, or at least characters that are like related to Matt. I yeah, actually I, named re- a, I really like Nolisian. Yeah, I, I named a D and D character after my. I made oh, cool. Yeah, I don't cool. remember a Nolisian D and D character. Uh, that's that? because you ignored him during the session. <laughs> <laughs> he was there though. Oops. He was cool. He was really cool, but you guys uh, didn't didn't uh, bite bite his storyline. So. Oh, you were dodged that plot hook. What's that? You were the dungeon master. Uh, yes, I was DMing, and I made Nolisian, who was uh, he tried to like get him to bite onto it. He was like a haughty uh, hunter, like he hunted uh, rare animal beasts, cool. and like uh, yeah, they, I would have bet on that. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember what we were doing at the time. It was probably something very important. So Telmanas, <laughs> Telmanas gives us this awesome. I, I I really like this. I felt like this before. Until yesterday. I have followed men of other lands because I must. You, I will follow because I want to. Perhaps you are not a lord in Andor, but here I say that you are, and I pledge myself your man. Man, he hates being a lord. We haven't yeah. really mentioned that as much, but like that—that—that's something Matt, that he repeats not a bloody over Lord Cotham. and over. I yes. mean, Perrin does too. Fucking constantly. Yeah, none of, none of them want to be lords. They all have like this like negative connotation that a lot of like lower class people have, probably where they're just like, oh, those goddamn lords. Yeah, but Rand, you know, in the second book, that Rand ended. doesn't really do it. Well, he did. In, it ended. You're right. Like, in the second book with the red. Co- Rand co- just gets over uh, it faster than everybody else. Yeah. Well, the letters. They're like, oh, you. Burn the letter? Oh. <laughs> oh. I wouldn't so, have done yeah, that. Matt has been running away from his destiny this whole time, and he finally realizes that he can't escape becoming an important person. <laughs> yeah, and he he's the leader of the Red Hand now, which is uh, a throwback to Minethrin. And everybody's singing Jack of the Shadows around the campfires now. Drinking Usquai. Jumping up and down around a pole, trying to see how high you could kick next to Kulidin's head. <laughs> what was that one? Oh, man, I, I should have written that one down, too. There was a good scene while we were taking the notes about, uh, I think it's Nelesian is, like, so drunk that, like, this Aiel guy is, like, holding him. Oh, up yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Walking down the street, like, past the campfire. They're trying to Jack get him to Shadows. sing Jack of the Shadows. <laughs> That's one of those Robert Jordan repeats a lot of things. Like on my reread, I've noticed that. And one of the things he says over and over again, he's like, I yield men, do not sing unless it's a battle <laughs> chant. Like <laughs> every time he mentions the I yield. I don't think you can write like a 40 million word story. Yeah. And repeat yourself a few times. Nynaeve pulled her brain. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's her personality. Yeah. That's, that is her personality. No, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about Nanny. I think she gets her own episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great character. Um, I can almost do a Nynaeve and Lan episode together. Let's talk about that. I don't know if Lan <laughs> deserves his own episode or not. Wait, Lan? You don't think he deserves his own? The, the, the last, the king? I mean, you, you it would do, be a short episode. You could do New Spring in there, too. Yeah, that's true. Well, we don't want this on today's episode anyhow. Yeah. This is fun, though. Uh, well. Yeah, that's uh, it for this segment of Matt's character arc. I can't, I mean, we haven't decided exactly how many. There's either one or two more to go. Yeah. There, there's a lot more books, but we don't know if we need to talk about, like, you know, the the thick of it for for a lot of, like, the right. books coming up. So Right. 
Yeah, we have a whole book where Matt's not even in it coming up, so I mean, things might start to... Zero? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't remember which one that was, but I should... Well, it's the one where he gets attacked in Abu Dhar and breaks his leg, and then he spends like a whole book just like recovering it. Each one of the the three main guys like has a book where they're not in it at all. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Once again, we are the Northern Winds Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Jake. And I'm Steve. And join us next time for The Son of Battles. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us on Twitter at Three Rivers Boys. That's three spelled out, not the numeral three. This is the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast.